So the message of Jesus actually has two aspects to it. Rick Warren points this out. He says it's come and it's go. First of all, Jesus offers an invitation to anyone who's hurting, struggling, overwhelmed, depressed, lost, broken, guilty, whatever it is, Jesus says to that person, come, let me help you. And let me just put this in Jesus' own words. This is a great scripture out of Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said this, come to me, all of you who are weary and you carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm, a humble, I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Uh, you know what a yoke is, probably. You've at least seen pictures if you didn't grow up on a farm. It's the equipment that you join two farm animals together who are going to work together so that one animal doesn't have to bear the whole burden of pulling the plow, pulling the wagon alone. And they split the labor. The yoke enables them to take the strength of the other. And Jesus is offering that, not literally, but he's saying, come on, why don't you yoke up to me for a while? Why don't you come be my apprentice? Why don't you let me teach you how to do life? Let me help you with some of the burdens you've dealt with your whole life that you don't know what to do, the things you can't figure out, the things you can't fix on your own, the guilt that you carry, let me help you with that. Team up with me. Yoke up with me. The verb is come. And then once Jesus has helped you and transformed you and he's given you new purpose and meaning in life and he's given you like an optimism that nobody can take away, the verb changes. Now that you've been transformed and forgiven, the verb becomes go. You first come to Jesus and let him help you with your life, and then he says, I want you to go, and I want you to tell other people what I've done for you. I want you to invite them to come to Jesus as well. There's a phenomenal story in the Gospel of Mark that illustrates come and go perfectly. So if you want to find Mark chapter 5, Jesus and his disciples pull up uh, in a boat onto a shoreline, and a this is just phenomenally terrifying. This freakishly strong man comes running towards them. He was terrifying. He was buck naked, running out of a cemetery. Did I mention this is midnight? And the disciples have just gone through a near-death experience right before this. And the guy was demon-possessed. This is all in Matthew 5. True story. You can read it for yourself. And this guy comes running at them. It's like a dog's running at you. You know, is he going to bite me? What's going to happen here? Oh, and he didn't just have one demon. He had thousands of demons. The guy was a hot mess. And so he comes up to Jesus and starts screaming at him. And Jesus, for him, Jesus, this was not a problem. One demon, thousand demons. He just told the demons to get out of the man. And for the first time in a long time, maybe in that man's whole life, he was sane, sensible, eating, clothed, in his right mind. This is what happens when you come to Jesus. Because Jesus can fix anything. You think you got problems? Try being this guy for a while. Nothing is a problem for Jesus. And he came to Jesus, and then at, towards, as things progressed, now Jesus and disciples are getting back in the boat. They want to go back to where they came from. The guy begs to go with them. I understand why. Like, Jesus has done so much for him. But this is down in verse 18. As Jesus was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no. What's it say? Go. You go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord's done for you, how merciful he's been to you. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region. He began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. Everyone was amazed at what he told them. He came to Jesus, a mess. He left forgiven, healed in his right mind with a story to tell of what God had done for him. It's just amazing. This is what Jesus says. Come here. Let me help you with that. Let me help you with the things you can't fix Okay, now that I've helped you, you go get some other people who also need me. Let, let me do for them what I've done for you. 
In fact, we're talking about what makes a great church. A great church is filled with people who do exactly this, who come and they're transformed by Jesus' presence, and then you, in turn, go and share your faith in Jesus. You share the story of what God has done in your life. It may be big like this, it may be something smaller, but you have a story to tell. Great churches are filled with people who take this seriously that we're supposed to go. In fact, if you go back to the Gospel of Matthew, which is just before Mark, this is literally the last thing Jesus told us to do before he left the planet. If you go to Matthew 28, it says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Get ready, because I'm going to ask you a question here. Therefore, Jesus said, do what? A little bit louder, come on. I don't believe the people in the back. Jesus said, all right, that's better. Okay, we're going to go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's our mission here at Connection. We are here to connect people to God and each other through Jesus. Aaron talked about that at communion. We're proclaiming the one that we've seen, that we've experienced, and we're, we're going to go tell everyone about that. Here at Connection, we also say we're here to make disciples of Jesus, mentor them, teach them how to grow up in Jesus, and then mobilize. It's like a loop. First, you come to Jesus, and you're made into a disciple. Eventually, you mobilize, and you go help other people become disciples of Jesus. That's all we do here. You just want to let people know how merciful God's been to you. Matt Proctor is the president of Ozark Christian College, and he tells a story about it. He was in a church teaching the kids' ministry. He thought he had a pretty decent lesson. If you've ever taught children's ministry, how many times have you thought that? I thought this was a good lesson. <laughs> it probably was. He's a smart guy. It was age-appropriate. It was awesome. But he had one kid in his class who just could not stay in her chair. She would not sit still. Everything he was saying was, this, 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 and please sit down. Would you go back to your chair? And then Jesus said, can you sit down, please? Over and over and over. And this kid just did not have the sit-down gene in her body. Uh, she just was constant motion. I'm sympathetic. I don't know if any of you, I don't want a show of hands, but how many of you maybe just in your mind think, yes, I'm a tactile kinesthetic learner. I have to be moving all the time, otherwise I can't listen. You've got a fidget spinner right now in your pocket or whatever. She was one of those kids. Uh, ironically, her name was Serenity. <laughs> so Matt was teaching this class on what we just read out of Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go make disciples of all the nations. And he was teaching the kids about what that might look like. And uh, he was, then at one point, he was trying to get Serenity to calm down. And um, he thought, okay, I've got one more chance to engage Serenity. At this point, she was laying on the floor, staring at the ceiling with her legs straight up in the air. And he said, Serenity, you just, um, I got good news for you. you. You don't like to sit down, do you? And she said, she never looked at him. She said, no. He said, well, Serenity, I have awesome news for you. And he points to the screen they had in their classroom that had the Great Commission, go make disciples. He said, uh, what is the first word of Jesus' words to, of the Great Commission? She didn't even look at the screen. She just said, get in your chair. <laughs> No, serenity, the first word is go. Jesus wants you to go. Maybe God made you like you are, not sitting still, because God someday wants you to be a missionary, to go tell other people about him. And so God tells you, serenity, go, 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 go. What do you think about that? She's like, woo, that's good. Finally, there's something in the Bible that's appropriate for me. You know, and that's exactly what God calls on us to do. He wants us to go, go, go. He wants us to share and to make disciples. So let me ask you this. Again, you don't have to raise your hand, but I want you to reflect on this. On a scale of one to serenity, how apt are you to go? Or you like, serenity, I don't know what your problem is. I have no problem sitting in my chair because there's no way you're going to get me to go out there and talk to people about Jesus. Are you kidding me? Like, who needs that controversy? Who needs the, the drama? Is that really what God expects from us? Is that really what he wants? Because there are 
there are times that the Holy Spirit of God will nudge you. If you are a Christian, I promise you, it will happen. And you'll have a strong sense. You're supposed to go talk to somebody, reach out to somebody, open the conversation to spiritual things. And there's something in you that's going to be like, I don't know, because there's another voice. And this is the voice of the devil that says, you probably ought to sit this one out. You know, who needs the controversy right now? And you know that what's going to happen is you're going to start talking and they're going to ask you a question you don't know the answer to and you're going to look dumb. Like, who needs that? Why don't you stay here, be comfortable? Another opportunity will come along. The Holy Spirit is constantly pushing you to say, no, I'm actually ahead of you. And there's people that I'm ready for you to talk to and you just have no idea how ready they are to talk about me if you'll just open the door and start the conversation. You know, I understand, I really do, how difficult it can be to when you don't know how the conversation is going to go. You, you don't know what's going to come up. You don't know if it's going to go well or not. You don't want to ruin a relationship. You don't want to be pushy when it's going to be unhelpful. I get it. But God is counting on you and he is counting on me to tell people about Jesus and what he can do for them. If they don't hear it from us, who are they going to hear it from? In fact, there's a great verse in Romans chapter 10. We were there, I think, a week or two ago. Let's just go ahead and continue looking at what the Apostle Paul was writing there. I'm going to start in verse 13. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone and everyone can come to Jesus. Nothing in your life would exclude you from coming to him. But then he goes on and continues this thought. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? You can follow the logic. This is obvious, right? But here's the kicker. How can they hear about Jesus unless someone tells them? If you don't tell, they don't hear. If they don't hear, they don't believe. If they don't believe, they don't get saved. If they don't get saved, they don't get to be part of the life to come. I mean, if you really don't like someone, I guess don't tell them about Jesus, but there is so much at stake here. This is on you and this is on me. It's not just my job because I'm a pastor. I don't think there was a little thing in there that said just for Brian when Jesus said go make disciples. That's all of us. It's not just for the missionaries. I love people who go to other countries and talk about Jesus, but who's going to go talk to your neighbor? I mean, it might be a little bit weird if I showed up and they don't know me, but they know you. This is what we're here to do. Listen, there are some times when God knows something that you don't know. That's probably all the time for me. But here's what I'm saying. There are times that God knows the people that are in your relational circle are more open to hearing and talking about spiritual things. Do you think God just prods you when it's going to go poorly? Or do you think God prods you because he knows it's going to go well when you start the conversation, take the risk, open the door, just ask the question? There's just something about it to say, I think God's leading me to do this. What is that going to look like? Well, how does it happen? I want you to look at this verse, another verse out of Colossians. The Apostle Paul also wrote these words. He said in Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. So if you want to do a good job of going, Paul has laid it out right here in that verse. Can we go ahead and throw that verse up on the screen again? He says, you know, what you want to do is you want to, first of all, pray. Because when you're praying, you're on the same page with God. There's things that he's trying to nudge you to think about doing. There's people he wants you to interact with. And you won't know that if you're not first praying. And he says, secondly, you need to be watching. Combine your prayer with watchfulness and thankfulness. Why watchfulness? So you're just awake and aware when God says it's your go time. And thankful because how many times have you realized later that God was doing something 
and something you were asking for, and you only found out later, let's just be thankful now, because there's things God is doing that you're unaware of that you'll eventually find out, so just go ahead and tell him thank you now. So if you want to be really good at going, you need to be praying, and then do what Paul invited his friends to do. Watch for the open doors. What's an open door? I think you can figure this out. This is a metaphor for those times in people's lives where they really do want to talk about God. There are times when we really do. Andy Stanley, who's a pastor down in Georgia, says this to his church. I've always found this to be so phenomenal. He says, if you hear somebody say one of three things, your next words should be, why don't you come to church with me this weekend? It's three things. And you can write these down because these are so useful, so helpful. If someone says to you, I'm kind of new here, why don't you come to my church? There's lots of great people there. I can introduce you to some of my friends. You'll meet some new people. If you're new here and you're trying to get your roots established, come to my church. You know, you, you don't have to stay very long. I'll, I'll help you kind of navigate things around. I'll introduce you to the pastor. Come to my church. If somebody says to you, man, things are just really changing in my life right now. Well, why don't you come to my church? Somebody says, like, my kids, my gosh, my kid's driving now, and that's... Well, you know, there's other people at church who are going through the same thing. I can introduce you to some of them. You're like, how about your neighbor across the street? New kid in the house, new baby. Ain't no one getting sleep in that house. But you know this because some of you, this is your story. You're more open to spiritual things when uh, there's a new life that you're responsible for. And you're thinking, this little man that I've brought into the world, this little girl, I've got to get them some good guidance and morals and spiritual instruction. People are more open at times like that. Maybe it's a loss. Which is the third thing. When somebody says to you, I'm going through some stuff that I don't know how to deal with. Why don't you come to my church? There's probably somewhere, someone there who's dealing with the same thing you are, and you can get through it together. Um, pastor's all right. But there's some other people in the church who are pretty smart, and you, know, you can talk to one of them, and we can figure this out together. It's, it's, there's, there's times when you're praying, and you're listening, and you're watching, and you're not being pushy. You're not being rude. You certainly want to be respectful. You don't want to be weird. But when you recognize that someone wants to talk, you've got a story to tell. You've got some good news to share. That's what all God is asking you to do is just get out there and share it. I, will, I want to tell you, when you're praying for open doors and you actually have one open up, you will never get goosebumps like the ones you get when you think, I think God's telling me to talk to this person. You just ask a question and it, entail, it goes into like this really long spiritual conversation back and forth. And you realize, wow. God was way ahead of me. God knows what he's talking about. I'm so glad that I was obedient and just opened this conversation. I learned something. They learned something. We're all moving closer to God together. It's just a phenomenal thing. This is just what God wants us to do, just be real people with each other. That's what we're, when we say connecting people to God and each other through Jesus, it's just literally being relational in the way that God designed us to be, just caring about people. I want to say it this way. When God tells you go, never say no. Just make up your mind right now. If God tells me go, I'm going to go. I just need 10 seconds of courage, but I'm going to go. And we're going to see some good things happen when you do that. Now, if that's the situation for you, I just want you to know there's going to be some attitudes you're going to have to overcome. Because there are some things that are in us that, re that I'd just rather sit in my chair. I and I get this. Like, for example, we have to overcome the fear of, as a church, getting too big. I hear this a lot. In our church, we've been ups and downs, and I know COVID has changed things for a lot of people, and it's caused a lot of concerns, but there's a lot of thought that goes into something like, well, I don't want the church to get so big that I don't know everybody. It's already, I'm not, I can come, and I don't know that person, and who's doing this, and, and I get that. And sometimes when we say, you know, I don't know everybody anymore, what that really means is everybody doesn't know me, and I want to feel like I'm in a place. Let's just ask some hard but honest questions. 
if there's like a maximum ceiling for a church's size, who do we have to tell they need to go? I know we have unlimited, welcome to all of you who are watching online, it's unlimited online, but like, you know, do we just draw a lottery for who stays home and who gets to come? And I get it, again, and with COVID, you want to be careful, you don't want to be around a bunch of people and maybe potentially infect yourself or uh, infect somebody else because you didn't know you were sick, and we're working hard to try to make sure everything's spaced and uh, thankful that God's given us the vaccines that are coming out, but this is bigger than COVID because COVID will eventually go away, but we have to wrestle with the thought of what if, like, for example, we had closed the door and said no more before you got here, and we didn't get the wonderful experience of being friends with you? We're, we're not like that connection. We're, I, you're not like that. We're not going to selfishly say it's just for me when there are so many people around us who need a good experience of God. And I love you all. I am happy that anybody comes to this church. They're going to have a good experience of God. And there are a bunch of wonderful churches in, in St. Charles County, and you may have driven past some of them to get here. I'm thankful that you're here. And I want you to know, if every church was full, there's still a whole lot of people out there who need a place to go. So we're not done. we got a lot to do still. We need to be reaching out. We need to watch for that attitude. As long as there's one person who doesn't know Jesus Christ, I'm going to do whatever I can to help you. You guys are amazing at bringing friends. Some of you, you're here because a friend brought you, and then you turned around and you brought friends. That's amazing as well. I'll do my best to, to, and all of us will as a team, to make sure that everybody is pointing towards God because we really want to reach everyone. So right here and right now, I am challenging you to take this seriously. I want Connection to continue to be a great church. It, I, at the end of the day, I don't get to grade us. That's Jesus' responsibility. But in my estimation, I think you're doing a lot of things right, and I want to keep that. So here's my challenge to you. If we're going to be a great church, will you commit to praying for open-door conversations? You don't have to raise your hand, but I want you to think about it. Will you commit to bringing somebody to connection in 2021 with you? I want you just right now to imagine that. Imagine meeting them in the parking lot, introducing them to the greeters, helping them find a place to sit, explaining communion, you know, um, just saying, here's what we do when we're singing. This is why we do what we do. Think about it. Wouldn't it be amazing at the end of 2021 that you got to say, I got to baptize one of my friends into Jesus Christ? What an amazing thing at the end of your life to say, I know that there's someone who's going to be in heaven for all of eternity because I was willing to pray and have the conversation. You just never know what will happen when you'll just commit to prayer. It all just starts with the prayer. I know it may seem daunting to think from where you're at to where I'm asking you to go. Just start with the prayer. Just ask God to reveal some people around you who are hurting and need to come to Jesus. And you know how good he is. And if you're not a Christian yet, I'm telling you, take it from me, he is amazing. And you will never regret inviting Jesus to be Lord of your life. Some friends of ours, Kirsten and I, went to college with them. Michael and Roz, trustee, started a church down in New Zealand a few years ago. It's, the church is doing great. New Zealand is a place where almost nobody has religion or faith, uh, certainly not Christian faith. So they're, they're in a kind of a spiritually dark place, but it's going really well. And they're having so many great experiences and conversations with people. And people are getting their life put together as they come to the Lord. And when they first went there, they knew we need like a, an open door ourselves into this world. Now, Roz is from New Zealand, so at least she had that in her favor. But like, how do we start a church from scratch? They prayed for a person of peace, someone who was well-respected in the community, someone who was friendly and engaging and would be friends with Michael and Roz, who would help introduce them to other people in the community. God gave them a woman named Rebecca. Rebecca is awesome. She is kind, and she is generous, and she loves the Lord, and she's on fire for him. 
Like a lot of us, Rebecca had colored outside the lines for a lot of her life, so she had a wild past. But when God got a hold of her, he changed all of that. And she was just living on fire for God for like almost 10 years now. And what she did is once God got a hold of her, she started going back and serving the other people in the lifestyle that she had come out of. So, you know, she didn't have a whole lot of money, but she had what she did have. She would share and she'd be generous. She'd go to food pantries and she would go to drug rehabilitation centers. And she would uh, go to uh, like even prisons. And people who were just far from God loved her because they sensed Jesus in her. And that's what Jesus is. People who were far from God loved Jesus. And so they loved Rebecca. And she would just show this generosity and this care and concern. Well, her most recent thing she wanted to get into, just most recently, was she wanted to do hospice care. And they had a pretty extensive background check for that. And she just warned them. She was very transparent and honest in her interview. You're going to see some things on my background check that are not pretty. I want you to know when I came to Jesus, that left. That is no longer who I am. And they thanked her for being so honest about it all. She said, we'll, we'll get a hold of you. It was about two weeks after she did that interview. She came crying to Michael and Roz and said, you're never going to believe what happened. I got a call from the hospice ministry, and, and they said, we got your background check back. And, and by the way, thank you again for being transparent with us, but there was literally nothing on it. It is clean and clear. You know, and that's a... That's a picture of what Jesus does for us. You know this. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is never going to be brought up. All the things you've done wrong, God doesn't want to keep those in his mind. He doesn't want to have a, a conversation with you over and over. It, it's a relief to him to forgive you of your sins. He wants to. It's really in your court whether or not you accept that forgiveness. He wants to wipe the slate clean for your friends as well. The people you think who are farthest from God that you can never imagine coming to church, those are the best candidates because they know how much God will do for them when they finally realize the truth that God loves everyone and anyone is accepted by Jesus when they come to him. When God says, go, will you go? I really believe you will. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm so thankful for the grace you've shown in my life, and all of us can say the same thing. If we're being honest and transparent, we don't deserve it, but you're so good to us. Will you help us now that we've come to you to turn around and invite others, to not close the door, to not just make it about us, to just constantly be open to the people that you've placed in our path who need to hear from you, that we literally have the privilege of being the voice for you, to tell people there's a new life possible for you through Jesus there's hope for you through Jesus. There's a fresh start and a clean slate through Jesus. Help us to be open. Help us to be bold and have the enthusiasm and the willingness to just share our faith. And Father, I do pray also for anyone who's listening to me now who doesn't have a faith in Jesus, that today would be the day that they would say yes to you, Jesus, that they would give control of their life to you, that they would find that all of this is as true as I've said it is. I thank you for everything you're doing in us, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'm really glad you were here today with us. I want to tell you, just remind you that if you are here for the first time, I'd love to meet you. If you're newer here and I haven't met you yet, I'll be out at guest services after service. Uh, this is Jim Browse. He's one of our elders, and he's also a great person to talk to. Whether you just have questions or you need to pray or you want to pray with someone about, you know, a friend that you've got that you're trying to speak to. And speaking of prayer, I'll tell you this too, for those of you who are more connected to connection, right over here at the cross in about five or 10 minutes after the service is over, we have a group that's open to anyone who wants to just come and pray for a few minutes. So I would invite you to go be part of that as well. 
Uh, think about what the things were that Aaron talked about at the beginning of service. Easter is five Sundays away. We want to do a lot of things to be on mission to share our faith, whether it's through the Easter meal, the online Good Friday service. We're having two services on Easter Sunday at 9 and 10 o'clock. Lots of opportunities for you to be a part of that. I invite you to stand as we have our closing benediction. This is out of Colossians. May you be sure to carry out the ministry and the mission the Lord gave you. Amen? Amen. God bless you all. Have a great day.